0: Violent anarchists in Portland, Oregon, say it's an outrage that federal agents are arresting them for breaking the law. The anarchists have been terrorizing the city since May, and leftist politicians have defended that as an expression of democracy, the famous political system where violent anarchists terrorize cities for months on end. Although possibly that's only democracy in Portland. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler supported the claims of the violent anarchists in a speech greeted by the cheers and approval of a large mob of masked, black-clad thugs who then proceeded to set his house on fire. Wheeler said, quote, I won't have federal stormtroopers coming into my city and interrupting a riot to enforce the law. This is Portland, for God's sake. And if people want to cause utter chaos in the flaming ash heap where I'm responsible for keeping the peace, then the federal government has no right to come in here and do the job I'm not doing, unquote. Anarchist leader Mo Thuggery also protested the federal arrest, telling a crowd of reporters as they ran frantically for their lives, quote, As an anti-fascist, I feel it's my duty to terrorize anyone who disagrees with me through vandalism and physical violence, to prevent fascists from coming here and terrorizing anyone who disagrees with them through vandalism and physical violence. We are here to declare that this country is an oppressive, hate-filled, racist pile of garbage, and for the feds to arrest us while we're doing that is a violation of everything that makes this country great. These agents didn't even identify themselves as if they were doing an undercover operation against criminals instead of doing an undercover operation against people who were just innocently breaking the law, unquote. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi also voiced support for the anarchists, shouting to reporters over the walls of her California estate and saying, quote, this is what freedom looks like. Or maybe it's just what mass thugs destroying property looks like. I've forgotten how to tell the difference. Andrew not <laughs> trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. Life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing. Hunky-dunkety-doo. Ship-shaped, tipsy topsy The world is a-biddy-zing. It's a wonderful day. Hooray, hooray. It makes me want to sing. Oh,
1: hurrah, hooray. hooray.
0: Welcome back to you few, you happy few who survived the Clavenless weekend. We have returned laughing our way through the fall of the Republic. I hope you will go on the YouTube channel and subscribe. This is the Andrew Claven YouTube channel. It is different than the Daily Wire, separate. We are moving up. We're trying to get to 90,000 subscriptions, but I don't think we've made it yet. So if you haven't subscribed, uh, you will go to hell. Uh, it is an eternal damnation for something that would just take you a second uh, to fix. That's, this is good theology, or at least Good theology I'm making up. And if you leave a comment that is anywhere near intelligent, we will raise the level of the conversation <laughs> show by quoting it on the air today. We have Kevin Downey, who says the Clavin's artistic and poetic way with words helps me see him as the soul of the Daily Wire. It's odd, though, since Nick Cannon taught me that evil melanin challenged savages like the Claven don't have souls. Now I'm just confused. It is simple. I am the soul of the Daily Wire and the Daily Wire has no soul. So that exactly, uh, you know, that puts all of all of the information in your head together. It seemed like a paradox, but now it's solved like a Zen koan. From the very beginning, uh, I've recognized the election of Donald Trump as being the end of something. It's for one thing, it's the end of the Republican Party. As we knew it, the GOP posers who did nothing to translate the Tea Party's constitutional yearnings into policy, who stood by while our borders were destroyed and who now bow down before the dishonest and unreasonable demands of the fascist left will never win another presidential election unless they find a way to channel the Trumpian energies that brought this president to power. It's also the ending of our respect for empty institutions. We now see right in front of us the news media is a corporate scam. The legislature has shrugged off the responsibility of legislating, and the Democrat Party, from The New York Times to the mass thugs of Portland, is a lawless, anti-American Marxist movement hostile to individual freedom and dedicated to the destruction of our founding ideals. In the service, by the way, not of black people, but of an elite. So if it's the end of those things, what is beginning? Is this just the poet's second coming where things fall apart and the center cannot hold and mere anarchy is loosed upon the world? Well, we're certainly seeing enough of that, but I'm not convinced that's the end of the story. I think we have a chance now for a philosophical reckoning over where we've gone wrong, specifically Do we still believe in the creator who endowed us with our rights? If we don't believe in that creator, our rights are forfeit. They make no sense without him. But if we do still believe, how are we going to begin to bring that God back into the public square? It can't be through theocracy and it can't be through Bible-thumping ignorance. They won't win. I mean, just as a practical matter, they won't win against a materialist techno-aristocracy that can spread their propaganda faster than we can spread ours only the truth will keep us free. And if we don't begin fearlessly questioning the truth about the God of our founding, if we can't learn to speak of him with reason and with joy, we have no argument against the tyrants who are currently on the march. The only way to prevent the poet's second coming is to stage the second coming of our faith. And we'll look more about, we'll talk more about that. But first, let us talk about Bespoke Post, because one of the things you want while you're staying home more while you're looking at all this, what do they call Doom scrolling through uh, your Twitter feed. You want to get good things in the post. You want good things to arrive at your, uh, at your door, especially during the summer. Bespoke post is here with customized box of awesome collections for guys guaranteed to upgrade your life. Bespoke post only sends guys the best stuff every month, no matter what you're into. Box of awesome has you covered from style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear. To get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time, and each box costs only 45 bucks and has over 70 bucks worth of gear inside. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code CLAVEN at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code CLAVEN for 20% off your first box, which will include the secret of how to spell Claven. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. You know, <laughs> it's true. I just make it look this easy. You know, so many people on the right want to cut God out of the conversation. You know, I remember Jonah Goldberg, a guy I really like, a guy who's writing I really like. He wrote this book, The Suicide of the West, and it began with the sentence, the first sentence is, there are no gods in this book. And I asked him about that, but I had him on the show and I said, why are there no gods in this book? How can you defend the West without this defending the West vision of God? And he said, well, he didn't feel he could make that argument cross party lines and all this. And I think it's a mistake. I think it's a mistake. You're right. We can't make any argument without the God of our founding. It doesn't have to be Christianity. It certainly doesn't have to be any church of Christianity, any specific uh, sect. But we have to point out the fact that our rights are pre-political. Our rights come from God on high. And, you know, this is why I uh, on Friday I was talking about Mike Pompeo's uh, report for the commission on unalienable rights and the fact that he put property rights and religious rights at the forefront and that the report that he put out, um, basically says that one of the three strains of, uh, culture that fed into our rights-based Society, one of those is is Protestant Christianity, and I think that that's absolutely true. The idea of the individual is an idea that rose up around that time, around the time of the Renaissance, and meant the fragmenting of the church, but was not meant to mean the absolute uh, subtraction of God from our conversations. Well, wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? The left went after Mike Pompeo's report, a report on unalienable rights, on property rights, on free speech, on uh, freedom of of religion. They hate this. They hate this. And I'm reading, I've, I've read some of this myself, but I'm reading a collection of this from the Wall Street Journal. NPR's correspondent said this was supposed to be a fresh rethink on human rights in the 21st century. And yet the first thing you see in the report is a picture of the founding fathers. What is go- what is going on here? Why wasn't it a picture of Black Lives Matter ripping Chicago to shreds? Why wasn't it a, a picture of anarchists and Antifa terrorists uh, destroying our cities? They are the real they're the real founders of our rights. And the, the reason is the reason is, is that Pompeo and this commission were trying to separate Right basic civil and political rights like freedom of speech and equality from these so-called rights that the left wants, economic and social rights. And the thing about those rights, the rights to an abortion, the right to gay marriage, you may disagree with them. You may agree with them. It doesn't matter. But you can't have that conversation without free speech. And that's the point. So they what what Pompeo and the commissioner are talking about are the basic rights and Pompeo repeats over and over again these are based on God you cannot have these without God and he even while he was introducing the report said can I get an amen and he got an amen and they hate this i mean the washington post went after him saying they're just trying to put religion above all other rights no religion is beneath all of other rights holding it up so take a look at what the left is doing right now because because it, it really is, it really is appalling. It's not appalling that there are thugs and criminals tearing apart our cities. The barbarians are always at the gate. You know, you just have to look out the window. Oh, that's barbarians. There they are. They're, they're always there. They're, they're waiting to tear things apart. You know, you reach certain pinnacles in human thought from which there is nowhere to go but down. When you're on a pinnacle and you go forward, it's down. When you're on a pinnacle and you go backward, it's also down. You got to stay on the pinnacle. The idea that we are all created equal, that racism is a bad, that only universalism is a good, that we are all one in God's love and in God's uh, um, idea of what humanity is supposed to be. That's the pinnacle. There's nothing beyond that. There's nothing, there's no new thing. Oh, we're going to discover whiteness. Oh, it's going to be whiteness now. This is, this is wonderful. We've got a new thing. It's called, we call it racism. It's great. There's no one has ever done this before. No one's ever hated other people on the basis of their skin color. So we're going to this is why we're called progressive because we are progressing. And the thing is when you're on a pinnacle and you progress, you're progressing down. In Portland, Oregon, these guys for it's it's over uh let's see it's about it's over 7 weeks now. They have been terrorizing, vandalizing Portland, Oregon. It is it's it's disgusting that no one has done anything about this. And and now federal agents dressed in camouflage and tactical gear have, are taking to the streets and they're uh, they're arresting people. You know, there are people are driving up in unmarked cars and they're arresting people and they're taking them in and they're questioning them. And sometimes they release them depending on what they do. And all of a sudden, this is like a terror. Oh, the stormtroopers, this violation of human rights, they're throwing tear gas at these poor people. Chuck Schumer is attacking it. Nancy Pelosi is attacking it. They're saying this is a violation of democracy. Well, no, it's not. It's not democracy to have a small group of masked thugs vandalizing your city. And the fact the fact that they uh, denigrate property, they say it's just property. That's not true. It's people's dreams. It's people's buildings. It's things that people own. Property rights are essential to human rights. They come before they support human rights. Why? Because property is simply an extension of your time. You know, I have to explain this. It's really interesting. Uh, when I go around and I talk at colleges, when I used to go around and talk at colleges before all this craziness, you know, I would have to say to them, it's not that socialism doesn't work. Socialism doesn't work, but I can imagine it working in a small, it's that it's immoral. I can imagine socialism working in a small kind of homogeneous uh, society, But it's immoral. It's immoral to steal other people's property. Why? Because property is something you collect with the use of your time and your time is your life. And if everybody owns your life, then you don't own your life. You are just a slave. That is what slavery is. Slavery is you do the work. Other people get the, uh, the sweat of your brow. Other people get the results of your labor. That's what socialism is. That's what slavery is it's wrong. You have to have property rights. It also works to have property rights. The reason we have fracking, the reason we've suddenly become so dominant in the energy field, which is what's driving people like AOC and anti-Americans like AOC crazy, it drives them crazy, not because it's destroying the climate. That's ridiculous. It drives them crazy because it makes us, that makes the West more powerful. And the reason we're powerful is because you don't just own the top of your property, you own it straight down. In a lot of European countries, they own what's underneath the land, but we have property rights all the way down. And that means you can frack and make a lot of money. So they, it's not the fact that the barbarians are at the gate. It's the fact that our elites are supporting the barbarians. And when I talk about Trump revealing the end of things, bringing on the ends of things, this is important. It's important to realize that the people complaining about the rule of law. You know, one of the things I'm going to talk about today is I'm going to talk about this interview between Chris Wallace and Donald Trump. And I really thought it was an embarrassment. I thought it was an embarrassment to Fox News. I thought it was an embarrassment to Chris Wallace. I thought it was an embarrassment for everyone who praised Chris Wallace, not because I'm, you know, endlessly, mindlessly supporting Donald Trump, but because it was bad, bad journalism. And one of the things that's happening in this country is we now have elites basically romanticizing the thugs. I mean, moms are showing up to defend their little spoiled babies as they riot, defend them from the feds. I think they should arrest the moms. You know, there was a naked, this this always gets me, there was a naked woman came out and planted herself uh, with her legs spread in front of the police. What this is supposed to mean, don't ask. me. I'm the wrong person to ask because I have no idea. Here's the LA Times covering this, all right? A woman wearing nothing but a blackface mask and a stocking cap strode. That's always a big whenever somebody strides in a news story, you know that they're supporting that person strode toward a dozen heavily armed agents attired in camouflage fatigues lined up across a downtown Portland street. The agents dispatched by the Trump administration over vociferous objections of state and city officials are part of a force that has fired projectiles at and detained activists. There's, they're not rioters. They're not looters. They are looters and they are rioters. But never mind. They're activists. That's been going on since the killing of George Floyd by Minneapolis police May twenty fifth. Numerous photos and videos posted on Twitter show the unidentified woman. Woman as she halted in the middle of the street. She stood. <laughs> I mean, somebody actually sat down and wrote this. She stood calmly a surreal image of human vulnerability in the face of an overpowering force that has been criticized nationally by civil rights advocates. Talk about begging the question, are they civil rights advocates or are they anti-American leftists trying to destroy the country? I'm taking B, I'm taking B. I love this. Nudity, this is still the same article. Nudity has also served as a form of protest since at least the 11th century when legend holds that Lady Godiva rode naked, veiled only by her long hair to protest what? Oppressive taxation. So Lady Godiva was a tea party. So, you know, this is happening all around the uh, country. Chicago, uh, they were throwing things at police officers to pull down a Columbus statue. Uh, Black Lives Matter protesters looted an Amazon store in Seattle, which is hilarious. I mean, Amazon has done nothing but push this crap Black Lives Matter stuff at me. You know, a guy who reads like romantic poetry in 17th, 18th century history, and they're pushing this. But Well, if you're interested, if you're interested in the poetry of John Clare, you might be interested in white fragility. Well, no, I'm not. And it's supposed to be my page serving me as their customer, but they're pushing this stuff. So they went and looted them. Good. I'm glad. I hope they loot the entire company. You know, I mean, really, really, what are you supporting? Why are you supporting the mob? Here's here's the pictures, you can see it. I mean, it, it is just unbelievable. And and now they're and they talk about defunding the police. Let's let's just pause for a minute, you know. When, when somebody actually, you know, here's, here's Keith Ellison. Keith Ellison is the attorney general in Minnesota, right, where a lot of this violence I mean, Minneapolis has been destroyed. Here he is talking about what rape victims, what should happen to rape victims. They don't need they don't need no stinking cops.
1: If you're a woman who's been a victim of a sexual assault and the assailant is ran away, wouldn't you rather talk to somebody who is trained in helping you deal with what you're dealing with? as opposed to
0: somebody whose main training is that they know how to use a firearm. (laughs) <laughs> One of their main training is they also know how to use, Keith, a rape kit and gather clues about what's going on. The police are trained in dealing with this so they can catch the rapist because, you know, the thing about the rapist is he's going off to rape somebody else. You know, I mean, this is the thing. This is the kind of nonsense that the Democrat Party is talking about. This is an empty party. This is a part. You know, when I when we talk about the end of the Republicans, and I do believe the Republicans are finished, I believe that, you know, there will there is a, now going to be a Trumpian Republican Party or no Republican Party. This is an amazing thing. So many of my anti-Trump friends on the right are saying once Trump is gone, man, the Republicans will be able to come back and reestablish their creds, and they, you know, that's and, and that's why all the you know never Trump sites are called things like the Rampart and you know the Remnant. They think they're defending a remnant of something that's going to come come back and reestablish the good of conservative governance, which wasn't taking place. I mean, we before we had eight years of Obama undermining our uh, our relationships with our allies establishing relationships with the terrorist state of Iran, before we had the Obama administration ceding an area the size of Ohio to ISIS, before we had the uh, Barack Obama administration basically undermining our police, uh, encouraging with with the kinds of things they said, encouraging this sort of Uh, violence against police that we saw in Dallas and New York. Before we had that, we had the George W. Bush administration. Listen, I thought George W. Bush was a nice guy and I supported him against the people who were against him because I thought they were against America, which obviously we now see I was right about that. But he did get us involved in wars that he didn't know how to win or how to pay for. If he had known those things, I I would have completely supported him. But he didn't. He got us into wars that went on and on and are not paid for. And that that ultimately couldn't be won on the terms that George W Bush himself set. So we've had 16 years of bad governance. Trump is a better president than both those guys. He is a better president than both those guys. That's that's the thing. We're seeing that, but we're also seeing the end of the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party is now exposed for what it is. It is not an American party. It is not even a political party. It is a criminal enterprise. It is against the Constitution that wants power for itself above all others. And these are the things that are coming to an end. We have to make sure that what's beginning is a lot better than that. Let's talk about a life lock. You gotta be, you gotta have life lock. I have life lock. It really is great. It's sad that cyber criminals are taking advantage of the uh, coronavirus pandemic. They send malware to scam people trying to learn about cures for the disease. They've conducted phishing attacks and devised counterfeit online pharmacies. And they've also focused on the economic stimulus by creating fake banking websites. They're out there. You know, there were, these guys are bad. They really are. And once they take your stuff, it's really hard to get your life back in order. But we put our but all the same, we put our information at risk and you can miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit. LifeLock can help. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats like your social security number for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has potentially been compromised, they'll send you an alert. I have gotten them, they're really helpful. It's really good to keep watch on this stuff. And this is the big thing for me, if you become a victim of identity theft, LifeLock can help you restore your identity easier than what you can do on your own, which is almost, <laughs> it's very hard to do anything. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own, join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Go to lifelock.com slash Clavin. That's lifelock.com slash Clavin for 25% off. Do not let them steal the secret of how you spell Claven because no one knows. <laughs> there are no, there are no reasons. Reasons. So I watched this Chris Wallace interview with Donald Trump and You already know what the commentary is. Trump messed this up and, oh, he, you know, Chris Wallace was really strong here. And I'm going to speak really honestly about this because one of my frustrations with Donald Trump is he very, very often does the right thing. He doesn't describe it well unless he has a speechwriter. When he's talking off the cup, he's not that articulate. He doesn't put the ideas together. He doesn't really think in those terms. He thinks in terms. He's a fixer. You know, he's this guy who says this is broken. Here's how you fix it at his best. That's what he is. And that that makes him a target for bad journalism. It means that people can uh, get in arguments with him instead of covering news stories. And he doesn't while he fights back in a funny way and he fights back in an aggressive way, which is great. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he could literally kick some of these guys down the street like tin cans. And it would not be enough to express my disdain for America's news media, America's reporters. But I'm frustrated with Trump that he doesn't always come back and say, yeah, this is why I say this. I say it because this, this, this and this. You know, I understand everybody who loves Trump yells at me about this and they say, well, what do you want? You want him to do the wrong thing, but say the right thing? No, but we live in a democracy where in theory, we've our differences with words. And so words are an important tool. George W. Bush had this uh, problem too. He was inarticulate and it doesn't help when you're fighting a press that is articulate and is prepared. So I was really frustrated when I saw Chris Wallace come up against Donald Trump. Now, I'm not going to say, oh, Chris Wallace is a leftist agent and all this stuff. I don't even know what Wallace's uh, politics are. He has pretty much the same style with everybody, but sometimes he brings some kind of quality. I, he does this very aggressive, interrupt you pushing style, But sometimes he brings actual solid quality questions. And in this thing, it was it was utterly absurd. It was utter, I mean, they got in this fight over just talking about defunding the police, where Trump said, that Joe Biden wants to defund the police and Wallace struck back. Here's that exchange.
2: Liberal Democrats have been running cities in this country for decades. Poorly. Why is it so bad right now?
1: Uh, They've run them poorly. It was always bad, but now it's gotten totally out of control. And it's really because they want to defund the police. And Biden wants to defund the police.
2: Sir, he does not.
1: Look, he signed a charter... With Bernie Sanders. I will get that one, just like I was right on the mortality rate. Did you read the charter that he agreed to? It says nothing about
2: the funding. Oh,
1: really? It says abolish. It says a fund. Let's go. All right. Give me me the uh, charter, please. All right. Chris, you've got to start studying for these. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, so, Trump gets to the page, and it doesn't say, it never says, Biden says defund the police. And so Trump looks like he comes up short. And of course, all the anti Trumpers come up against him. But Biden actually did say, effectively, that he was going to defund the police. Here's an interview that he gave earlier uh, where he called the police the enemy. Do we have that?
2: Instead of sending two police officers with deadly weapons to that Wendy's drive through in Atlanta, we could have sent a wellness counselor and a tow truck, and then Ray's Hard Brooks would still be alive today. And his three daughters would still have their daddy. Are you open to that kind of
1: reform? Yes, I propose that kind of reform. Surplus military equipment for law enforcement. They don't need that. The last thing you need is an up-armored Humvee coming into a neighborhood It's like the military invading. They don't know anybody. They become the enemy. They're supposed to be protecting these people.
0: So my generic point is but that... Do we
2: agree that we can redirect some of the funding?
0: Yes, uh, absolutely. So if you redirect funding away from the police, that's defunding the police. The idea, you know, there are some people who say that uh, the police, if they get too militaristic, uh, they become, they get a, a military mindset. Most police Uh, forces in this country, in these cities, have been trained extensively in community relations. And one of the problems with our attitude toward the police is we think the police are supposed to solve society's problems, just like we think the army is supposed to go into Afghanistan and build a new society. That's not what they're there for. They're there to protect people from crime. That's what the police do. They solve crime. They prevent crime. They They arrest wrongdoers. That's their job. Their job is not to solve everything that the rest of us screw up. And it's just ridiculous. They're the guys on the ground. So Wallace is unprepared in this, uh, you know, and he catches Trump out because Trump doesn't have that piece of information in his head. But Wallace is a journalist. It's Wallace's responsibility to get the information out there. And look, I'm not, this is not about defending Trump. This is about talking about journalism in this country, all right? Let's just take a look at this, the thing about the mortality rates, where they had that exchange about the mortality rates.
2: We have the seventh highest mortality rate in the world. Our mortality rate is higher than Brazil, it's higher than Russia, and the European Union has us on a travel ban.
1: Yeah, I think what we'll do, well, we have them on a travel ban too, Chris. I close them off. If you remember, I was the one that did the European Union very early. But when you talk about mortality rates, I think it's the opposite. I think we have one of the lowest mortality rates true, in the sir. world. We, well, we we're we, take a, a look. we had
2: 900 deaths on a single day. We will this, take a look. This
1: number one low mortality
0: rate. I hope you show the scenario because it shows what fake news is all about. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's true. And Trump Trump was more right than Wallace was. And Wallace has time to prepare. Trump doesn't know what questions are going to be asked that that. that Uh, 900 deaths in one day, I think was back in April. and the death rate has been steadily, steadily declining. And there's so much stuff we don't know. And why don't we know it? We don't know it because we have no media in this country. We have no news media in this country gathering information. We only have an anti-Trump movement uh, trying to make everything skew everything to make Trump look bad. You know, why is it Trump's fault that the cities run by Democrats for 30 years are falling apart? They've been falling apart slowly. Now they're falling apart fast. It's like, I think it was Ernest Hemingway said about how people go. First you go broke slowly, then you go back broke quickly. It's the same thing that happens to Democrat cities. First they go broke slowly, then they fall apart completely. And that's what's happening. It's not Trump's fault. How is that Trump's fault? You know, he cited Russian numbers. Wallace did things like he cited the Russian numbers uh, on the Chinese flu as if they meant anything. They don't mean anything. He talked about uh, Anthony Fauci like any criticism of him was absurd. And Fauci has made a lot of mistakes. I mean, Fauci recently said that New York got things right. Well, that's ridiculous. New York has been responsible for uh, still a large, large percentage of the deaths in this country. Uh, When Trump at one point, Trump said every, you know, listen, you know, uh, Wallace said, well, you've made a lot of mistakes. And Trump said, well, everyone's made mistakes. You know, it is a it's a crisis. Everyone makes mistakes. The news media has been wrong and wrong and wrong again. Trump has probably gotten more things right than the news media. So then after he says everything, everyone makes mistakes. Wallace plays a montage of things Trump said that were later shown to be untrue, mostly kind of optimistic, you know, up talking America. You just think like I could do that to anybody. I could do it to Chris Wallace. You know, you can always play people's errors. It's just ridiculous. They had a come conversation about schools. And all I'm pointing out is just is not it's not about the anti-Trumpness of it. It's about the incompetence, the sloppiness of it, the bad journalism of it. Uh, They were talking about Trump threatening to cut off federal funds for schools if schools don't reopen. And Wallace says, well, those federal funds go to poor children. Yeah, but, but schools reopening helps poor children. So he would fund them if they reopen. If they don't open, that hurts poor children. So why should they get the federal funds that won't be going to the children? It was a nonsense question. And, you know, you can say, well, Trump should be on top of this. He should be able to fight back. Why should it be a fight? Why not just try to uh, uh, solicit information about what's going on? We don't even have the information he talked about. uh, Wallace talked about the number of Acts of violence that are committed between police and black people, but never mentioned this—the incredible difference in the crime rate among in black neighborhoods. You know, there was one section that really got me. I don't even know if we have this. Do we have the thing about uh, yes about universities? Play the one about where he asked about universities uh, and Trump's speech.
2: You said our children are taught in school to hate our country.
1: Where do you see that? I just look at I look at school. I watch. I read. Look at this stuff. Now they want to change. If 1492 Columbus discovered America, you know, we grew up, you grew up, we all did. That's what we learned. Now they want to make it the 1619 Project. Where did that come from? What does it represent? I don't even know. It's so slavery. Uh, that's what they're saying, but they don't even know. They just want to make a change. We have a radical left, destructive ideology, and it's being taught in our schools. And don't act like you're surprised to hear this. There are books written about it.
0: You know... <laughs> It, it really bothers me. And it has bothered me since the debates with Hillary Clinton that Donald Trump is not the guy who can turn to Chris Wallace and say, what the hell? Are you? you know, don't sound surprised. There's this, there's this, there's this. There's the fact that Howard Zinn, a communist anti-American textbook is one of the most used textbooks in the country. OK, that's that's evidence. There's the fact that if I go to a Uh, to a college and speak. I have to be surrounded by police officers. Me, the single nicest person in America, has to be surrounded by police officers while I'm talking. We've had, I've had riots at my speeches. Ben has had riots at his speeches. What is, what is Wallace talking about that he doesn't know about this? Why is Wallace in this kind of ignorance, you know, that, that he doesn't understand what's going on? This is the president of the United States in a time of crisis. He should be utterly prepped and not trying to hurt Trump. He should be trying to solicit information out of Trump. And instead, we got this exchange on some cognitive test that Trump was bragging about. Play this thing.
1: It's not the hardest task.
0: No, but the last picture and it's an elephant.
1: No, no, no. You see, that's all misrepresentation. Well, that's what it was on the web. It's all misrepresentation because, yes, the first few questions are easy. But I'll bet you couldn't even answer the last five questions. I'll bet you couldn't. They get very hard, the last five well, questions. Well, one of them was count back from a 100 by 7. And let me tell you, you couldn't answer, you couldn't answer all right, what's the question? many of the questions. I'd get you the test. I'd like to give it. But right. I guarantee you that Joe Biden could not answer those questions. Okay. okay? Uh, you, and you I answered
0: about- all 35 questions correctly. You- a childish exchange. It's a childish exchange, and you can say, "Well, Trump is being child," but Trump is fighting back. There, what are they? What are they talking about? What are they talking about this test? I mean, it's it's you know, it's ridiculous that that's what Chris Wallace, with an hour with the president of the United States, when cities are on fire, when leftists are tearing everything down, when people are ill, that's what he's asking questions about. It's shabby. It's sloppy. It's bad journalism. And never mind Trump. This is what the problem is. This is the problem that we can't get the information that we need. All right, let us talk about the Reader's Pass. This is for those of you who would like to get all access, but you're just cheap. You know, you're just one of those stingy people who thinks it's more important to feed your children, pay your rent and all this. So we have this Reader's Pass so you can subscribe for a little less money. Actually, it's a lot less money. It's only three bucks a month. You get the first month for 99 cents. You get all the, the stuff we put out, all the great uh, content we put out, real news, real journalism. You even get stuff, uh, you know, you get articles. You also get uh, our mobile app, which is terrific. You receive push notifications for breaking news and special content. Uh, You can join the community of Daily Wire members who are actively commenting and discussing our content with each other. So go to dailywire.com. You know what? I'm looking for the website where you can go and subscribe. And I'm not seeing this. It's dailywire.com. There it is, dailywire.com slash subscribe. And go buy Ben's book. (laughs) They forgot to give me the copy for Ben's book. Buy it anyway, because it's good. I want to, well, we got to take a break. Uh, Go over to dailywire.com and subscribe. You know, I want to take a look for just a minute at an exchange still talking about Wallace and Trump. I want to take a look at an exchange between a guy named Andrew Marr on the BBC and the Chinese ambassador uh, to Britain. Remember last week we played those just horrific pictures of Uyghur Muslims being uh, on their knees, hooded. Shaved, their heads shaved, being herded onto trains like it was the Holocaust, and we know that the Uyghur Muslims are are being raped. They're being, uh, you know, re-educated as they so lovely uh, the lovely phrase they have for it in China. This is a, an atrocity going on. While our NBA is doing business with them and then telling their players that they can wear Black Lives Matter shirts, Marxist Black Lives Matter shirts, while supporting and doing business with the Chinese Communist Party that is committing these atrocities. So, you know, when I talk about the end of our institutions, they're just naked out there. They're naked in front of us that they don't, this is not a moral thing. This is all about kowtowing, it's all about the money, it's all about fear of, you know, being sued, uh, fear of being seen as racist, which is like the worst thing anybody can be called. In America. So, Andrew Marr, and and the BBC is a stone leftist organization. The BBC is an outgrowth of the the Socialist Party in Britain. It is just a socialist organization. You do not get the news from the BBC, okay? Still, still, they're professional journalists, okay? They are professional leftist journalists. They're unfair. They're skewed. They're biased. I would even call them intellectually corrupt, but they're still journalists. And this is the problem. What Chris Wallace did was not journalism. And, and, you know, I'm not the guy who always attacks Chris Wallace. I have some problems with him, but sometimes I think he does a good job and I don't sit around and say this thing. I'm talking about a level of, of quality in our journalism. I just want you to listen to the difference. The Chinese ambassador basically tries to wiggle out of these drone pictures of Uyghur Muslims being trained off to god knows where what retraining camps and how andrew Moore of the bbc challenges him
2: what is happening
0: here ambassador
2: i do not know why did you get this video clips and these
0: have been going around the world they've been authenticated by western intelligence agencies and by australian ex- uh, uh, experts who say these are ouija people
1: let me tell you this the
2: uh, uh, so-called uh, uh, western intelligence keeping up, make this a false acquisition against China. They said one million more of vigor yes. has been uh, persecuted. You know, how, how big, how, how many population Xinjiang has? It's just about 40 years ago, it's a four, five million. Now it's 11 million people. And people say, you know, we. Impose uh, we have an uh, uh, ethnic cleansing, but the population Lovely. has doubled in the 40 years. According, I- I'm so sorry to interrupt, but according to your own local government statistics, the population growth in Uyghur jurisdictions in that area has fallen by 84% between 2015 and 2018. 84%.
0: I mean, that's that's a lot. That's not gotcha journalism. That is challenging a guy on vetted uh, movies that he's got with vetted facts that he's got from the guy's own government. And it's not tr- he's not trying to get him. You can just tell the difference. He's not trying to get him. He's not trying to have people on Twitter say, oh, boy, you know, Wallace really took on Donald Trump. He's just trying to get the facts out of the guy who is obviously skirting the response of the Chinese responsibility for the violation of human rights that we can all see right in front of our eyes. It's a different, it's a different profession he's in. Andrew is in a different profession than Chris Wallace was in last night when he was doing this with Trump. And, you know, it, in, in some ways it pains me to hit Chris Wallace because Chris Wallace has done some good interviews and he didn't lie down dead like the rest of the news media during the Obama years. He did sometimes question Obama people. He did, you know, do some hard, uh, some hard interviews with Obama partisans. Uh, during that time when the rest of when ABC, CBS and NBC were firing people if they reported anything negative about Obama. So he has done good work. And the only reason I go after him is because if he's going to do sloppy work, if he's going to do inefficient uh, work, who is going to do the work? How are we going to get the information that we need to stay safe, to know whether we should move out of our city or whether these guys are going to come and destroy our homes and take away our property? We don't know. We don't know. We have no way of knowing because the left is running uh, the, the press is running interference for the left. And we have nobody to step up and say, I'm just going to cover this story and get these facts because my job is not to make a point. My job is to garner information from the, the people who are in charge. Uh, you know, I think it's a really bad thing, you know, and this is and it plays in to our sense that it's not the government or the people who are in control any longer. This is part of what it plays into. It plays into a sense of conspiracy. You know, there's a story uh, out of Jersey, New Jersey, uh, a gunman wearing a FedEx driver's uniform went into the home of a federal judge, right, uh, in, named Esther Salas, an Obama appointed judge, shot their college educated son to death and wounded the husband. And this lady was four days ago. She was put on a case involving Jeffrey Epstein. And I don't. I'm not. Obviously, don't want to make a joke out of a tragic story. It's a weird story involving uh, Jeffrey Epstein. It's a suit against Deutsche Bank, accusing a, a, a joint action suit accusing Deutsche Bank of not having reported some dodgy. Uh, operations, including with Jeffrey Epstein, that may have lowered the value of and, and the responsibility of the bank. So these people are saying, you know, we got screwed by the bank losing its reputation and losing its responsibility for dealing with people like Jeffrey Epstein without telling us. So it's a weird story. But you hear that and you just think a guy in a FedEx uniform assassinated the son of a federal judge. And hey, I don't know who did it. You know, like, I have no idea. I don't know if it, anything about it. I'm not making any accusations and not even making any assumptions. But God, that's a, like, that's a weird story. And how, how do you like react to that? you know knowing that jeffrey epstein died and there were no guards around and there were no cameras around and you feel like a nut you know you feel like like i'm, I'm like the last person to believe in any conspiracy i'm always like the last guy who suddenly says yeah you know maybe that guy actually meant to kill lincoln you know <laughs> like i sort of i always just assume everybody's an idiot bumping into things but like you know th- this is the kind of thing when you think about this and y- you know uh, galen maxwells now in in jail, and she says, according to sources, according to a report, she says that she believes Epstein was murdered, and she's afraid of being murdered too. Who can blame her? Who can blame her? I mean, I don't know. This may be naive. I, you know, I don't like to speculate on something that I don't know enough about. But it, you know, I don't understand why they don't just depose her. Just say, here's a deal: you won't go to prison, or you'll go to prison for only a year, or something like that. Just tell us what you know. Give us the information so you can protect your life, and we can protect you. Meanwhile, meanwhile. More stuff is coming out. They're now saying the Durham report about the bogus Russian investigation is going to come out uh, by the end of the summer, about time. But meanwhile, uh, Lindsey Graham's committee uh, released newly declassified documents showing that the Federal Bureau of Investigation was wary in early 2017 of the Steele dossier. Basically, the, they started to say that what they call the primary subsource, Steele source, for his information, saying that Trump was with prostitutes and all this other garbage, didn't know what he was talking about. This was a guy uh, who was a Russian-speaking contractor for the former... for Steele's former company, Orbis Business Intelligence, uh, he had a group of friends in Russians. All of their names are redacted. The FBI interviews uh, from the FBI interviews, it becomes clear that the primary subsource and his friends peddled warmed over rumors and laughable gossip. This was basically Russian disinformation being paid for by Hillary Clinton and the Democrat Party that the FBI then used to push forward this investigation into Donald Trump. This is the biggest presidential scandal of my lifetime. And I lived through Watergate. This is the biggest presidential scandal in my lifetime. Just here on another issue, the Michael Flynn unmasking. Here's Chris Wallace again talking about that.
2: First of all, it's not extraordinary. Unmasking is pretty routine. The effort by people in an administration to find out who a masked uh, American person is, it, it happens in the, in the Trump White House. It happened, I think, 16,000 times the year before last. What, what's a crime is leaking it, but unmasking isn't.
0: So, you know, he's playing down this massive effort to unseat uh, a duly elected president. And he doesn't ask one question of Trump about that. Instead, they're arguing about cognitive tests. It's a massive journalistic failure. And the reason the reason I harp on this so much is because it's hard to know right now what we're looking at. When we see all this violence, when we see people people who are supposed to be our authorities in the country telling us that this country is essentially bad, that this country is essentially a bad country. When you see them attacking Mike Pompeo for saying what he did say, that this is essentially a good country, that when our soldiers are sent out into the field, and I've talked to them about this, I've talked to soldiers in the field about this. And what they say is, you know, we feel that we're the tip of the spear of an essentially good country. We know about all the flaws. We know about all the human failings, but essentially this is a good country. How can you say it's not? When, as I continue point out there's nobody walking the earth who has political freedom, who doesn't owe it in part to American treasure and blood. Nobody, not one person who has political freedom, the essential freedoms, the essential freedoms who didn't somehow have them defended or installed or inspired by America. And, you know, this is the thing. So when the, when our institutions have become so empty, when our elites have become so decadent that they can no longer support the very founding of the country that has given them everything they have, we have to start saying to ourselves, well, okay, Trump has now brought this to a boil. He has lanced the boil, and he has brought this thing to the surface, and we can all see it in front of us. What is going to begin? is it going to be this endless bullying, this racial, uh, Maoism, which is what it is. It's used it's, you know, they call it race, but it's just Maoism. It's just intimidating you, making you hate your culture, making you bow down to the violent people, making you bow down to the thugs with their, uh, sticks, their wands that they beat people with, and they're vandalizing the property. And we're not supposed to, and we're supposed to think it's the police's mean, mean old police's fault or the federal agent's fault for defending us. You know, we have to ask ourselves, well, what is going to begin? What do, And where do we begin to start the country afresh? Even if it's changed, even if it's different, when we started afresh, we have to begin with the idea that our rights are pre-political. They have no way of defending that. They don't even know what the rights mean. They think when Mike Pompeo talks about our inalienable rights, he's trying to pull a fast one on. <laughs> okay, but our rights begin with God. And if you're not going to go there, if, you're not go- if there are going to be no gods in this story, Then you're not going to have any rights. That's just basically it. That is basically it. If you do not understand yourself as the expression of a deeper meaning, if you don't understand your own life as the expression of a deeper meaning that exists in the mind of God, you got nothing but flesh and bone. And that flesh and bone, all it needs is it needs a, a guaranteed income and go away and eat And have no meaning in your life. Take some drugs and die. And let the elites do what they're going to do to gain power. That's not the way this is going to go, I hope. I don't think this is the way it's going to go. I don't think we're going into a world of techno-feudalism. I think the people who elected Donald Trump are still out there. And they better get their game on because this is going to be a really tough few months. And none of this stuff is going to stop until you all, you know, the, the beatings will continue until morale improves and you all agree to vote for Joe Biden to make it stop. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but we have to at least try to make sure it doesn't. I gotta stop there. I'll be back again tomorrow. I'm Andrew Claven. This is the Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review, and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Walsh Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director is Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and Makeup, or Head and Makeup by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production, Copyright Daily Wire, 2020.
1: If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to the Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there.